Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us. If you have any questions or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. Today, we're beginning a brand new series called Rooted. Our senior minister, Doc Pattison, will discuss all the different ways that we can grow to become Christ-driven, 24-7 Jesus followers. And this week, we're talking about the importance of connecting with others. We weren't made to go through life alone, and we certainly weren't made to grow alone. Let's dive in to this week's message. Good morning. Glad you're here at Capital City, and if you're with us by Facebook Live, we're glad to have you here this morning as well. Uh, I'm Vernon Huber. I'm the Connections Minister here, and we are so happy that you're here, and this is Tailgate Sunday, huh? Guess what? You know, when you come in outside, you probably saw the trucks parked out there and the, the grill going. Have you had a hot dog yet? Awesome. Have you had two? Okay, all right, just checking, just checking. Anyway, hey, uh, also want to let you know that uh, I got my UK shirt. Are you ready for foot? Yeah. Are you ready for some football? I'll tell you what, Saturday, September 1st. You know what that is? Oh, come on now. Saturday, September 1st is UK's first game. 3.30 3.30 kickoff in the afternoon. If you don't have tickets for that game, you know what? You can watch it live on ESPNU. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Hey, also, for all you uh, fo- uh, fantasy football league fans, okay, if you're into that, uh, coming up here soon at Cap City, we'll be uncorking that so you can be a part of that as well. Also, I want to kind of test your football knowledge since you were all kind of geared up for tailgate here. Let's look at this question here. In 1922, the American Professional Football Association were renamed into the National League. All other teams have since changed their names or cities too, except for one team. Can anybody tell me who that is? That's right, Chicago Bears. All right, here's a true-false one for you. Try this one on. There was this great quarterback, Paul D. Hubbard, and he was deaf. He created the huddle to confuse the opposing team into misinterpreting his sign language during the games. True-false. True, very good. Anyway, you guys are smarter than I thought you were. Okay, here we go. Um, every football used in the NFL comes from the Wilson factory located in Ada, Ohio, and that is at the exception of uh, New England Patriots, I understand. It's, it's, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, they uh, have a different place that they make them, so they're small or something. Anyway, true or false, does that come out of Ada? True, yes, that is very true. Absolutely. Okay. What if I told you that the Baltimore Ravens, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't go any further with this. I, I apologize. I apologize, folks. Uh, I apologize to you because I'm not a football fan. I look all this stuff up on the internet. You know, uh, I was pretending to be a fan when in reality I'm not. Well, you know what? You know, pretending can be a lot of fun, can't it? You know, uh, little girls, they become fairy princesses, and little boys, they become the superhero, you know, their favorite superhero. Dads, you know, they become Santa Claus at, at Christmas time, and moms pretend that they're the damsel in distress so their little superhero can come and rescue them. You know what? Now, this style of pretending doesn't hurt. But, folks, when you pretend that the struggles of this life doesn't bother you or doesn't hurt you, you're in trouble. Because you see, that's exactly what I did. 
Now, I know many of you don't know, I just introduced myself, but, you know, uh, I'm really not pretending now. I am Vern Huber. I am the Connections Minister here, and I work with the Life Groups. I know many of you don't know me. My, my wife is here, Gail and I. We've been married uh, right at 45 years. We have two sons and five grandchildren. Folks, I have been in the ministry a little over 30 years, and in that ministry time has been encompassing worship ministry, education, administration, and also preaching. And for several years, folks, I pastored a, a thriving church. And during that time, God done some amazing things. We saw people's lives saved, people's lives changed. We took several trips into Honduras and Mexico. People were allowing the Holy Spirit of God to move in their life. And man, that was an exciting, exciting time. You know, however, though, there was a, another spirit at work. I'm sad to say it was a spirit of envy, of control, and of deceit. And I'm also sad to say that some of the elders allowed their spirit, this spirit to influence their thinking and some of their decisions. Well, decisions they made would hurt the church. And I was told at a meeting one evening that, Vern, that uh, you can either agree with these decisions or you can leave. <laughs> Immediately I thought, are you kidding me? After all the years we've worked together, shoulder to shoulder, and it boils down to this? <laughs> well, the battle started raging inside of me. First question to come up, man, is where did I go wrong? What happened to the spirit of love and joy and of grace that permeated the substantial part of our congregation? I started blaming myself for the turmoil within the church and even within the leadership. My confidence to lead the church was dwindling. Many false accusations were made against my leadership abilities, against my personal life, false accusations against my family. So I resigned as a senior minister and I took a public job. And guess what? I ended up with an arrogant, self-centered, micromanaging boss. And I know that none of you can relate to that, right? But I'll tell you what, the turmoil inside of me was still there and that type of management as well didn't help my self-esteem at all. But let me add another layer of struggle. Well, since I resigned as a senior minister, there was this big issue. Okay, now where do we worship? Well, do we worship in our local community where we put up a little questions and the whispers? Or we to go out of town where I can hide? And then I thought, no, no, <laughs> wait a minute, Vern. You thought to yourself, you know what? I won't go to church at all. That'll fix the problem. And folks, in the midst of this turmoil, God connected me with a group of people that wanted me to lead a Bible study. And so I did. Well, our little group, numbers were added, and then the church grew out of all of that. So at that point in my life, I was pastoring a small church and also working a public job. But I'm going to be real with you. I felt alone, hurt. I had no confidence to run a body of believers, to lead them or even to lead myself. Well, it isn't over yet. There's more struggles that came my way. My dad died. 
My best friend in all the world died. My wife, Gail, in a matter of eight months, went through two separate surgeries. She was off work for quite a, quite a long time. My sister contracted colon cancer and eventually moved into our home. A lot of turmoil and upset going on. And I thought that the loss and the hurt that I felt was just too great. You know what, though? Old Vern was good. Old Vern put on his happy face. Vern put on his preacher happy face, and he went on to preach and to teach. And however, though, Vern still needed healing. He still needed encouragement. I needed to feel the grace of God in a powerful way once again. So why am I telling you all this? Well, let me share this with you. This is the first time I've publicly said and admitted that I've struggled with depression. Now, let me explain. Depression in such a way as I was sad, I was empty, I was anxious. And folks, not just for a short time, but for a few years I was that way. But you see, in my heart, I felt sad and worthless. I didn't want to be around people. You're thinking you're a pastor? You didn't want to be around? Yeah, I didn't want to be around people. I forced myself to go be around people. I also struggled with a lack of self-confidence. Now, let me explain that one to you. Let me give you this statement to do that. Why even try? Hmm? That's what I thought. Why even try? Because whatever you do is going to fail anyway. There was a time that I even thought and wondered if God had left me. I kept asking myself, why didn't I feel the same way that I used to? What had happened to the drive? What had happened to me? What had happened to the joy that I had? What had I done to deserve feeling the way that I do? You see, folks, it boiled down to one thing. It was fear. Fear would not let me admit to myself, to God, or to anybody else that I was hurting. Hey, guys, I'm a pastor. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather. I'm an uncle. I'm supposed to be the strong one. I'm not to grieve. I'm not to be depressed or hurt. God had not left me, folks. The problem was I, was tried, I tried handling these struggles all on my own. And this is not what God wanted for me. He wanted to deliver me from my fear. The fear of what my family would think. The fear of what my friends would think. I allowed fear to hold me back from connecting with God's mercy and God's grace. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ.
Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I pray that you would be rooted. Sometimes we hear the scripture read, but we don't really let it into our brains and we don't really let it come down into our hearts. So I want to look at the core of that text that they just read one more time. And I want you to listen to it, really listen to it. It says, I pray that out of his glorious unlimited resources, you think God's got them? I pray that he's going to empower you, that he's going to empower you with inner strength through his spirit, through his Holy Spirit. You think he can do that? Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Because only to the degree that we trust in him can he give us that kind of power. Then your roots will grow down deep. Then you're going to become rooted in God's love. And that's what's going to keep you strong. Powerful words. Powerful words. Guys, we exist as a church. Our mission from God is to bring people face to face with Jesus and then to grow them up into Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers. And we take that mission from God seriously because we think it's a mission from God. We believe that. And so we try to do that as intentionally, <clears throat> as strategically, and effectively as we can. So this morning we're going to kick off a little series we're going to call Rooted. How to be rooted as a Jesus follower. How to dig down those roots so that you can grow strong into a Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus follower. Fully mature, God-loving, people-loving, life-loving child of God. So over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about what we're going to call growth catalysts. These are the things that we do as Jesus followers to make sure that we're deeply rooted. These are the things that we can do to make sure that we grow. Without these things, it's hard to grow into a mature, 24-7, Christ-driven Jesus follower. And the reason that it is so important is because it is flat-out tragic. It's tragic to see people who have been Jesus followers for 10 or 20 or 30 years who are actually, in reality, spiritual babies. They've never grown up. Sometimes they'll grow a little bit until they reach spiritual adolescence, and that's as far as they go. But they never experience the strength that God wants to put inside of them. They never experience the life that God meant for them to live. So this morning we're going to unpack the first of these growth catalysts. That's what we're going to call them. Growth catalysts, things that cause us to grow. And we're going to call this one connect. This is so important to us that it's one of the four things that are out in our foyer. Worship, connect, grow, and serve. That's what we want to challenge all, all of our people to do regularly. Worship, seriously connect, grow in Christ, and find a place to serve. Here's why we think connection is so big. Kind of set it up about six weeks ago during our rehab series. And it's about how God made us. If you open up the first page of the Bible, you're going to come into the creation story. And God starts creating everything that we know. First, God speaks light into the darkness. And he looks at what he has done and he says what? It's good. It's good. Then he creates the seas, the land, the plants, the trees. And God looks at what he has done and he says, it's good. It's good. Creates the sun, the moon, the stars. It's good. He creates fish, birds, animals. He looks at what he's done and he says, it's good. 
This is a refrain that keeps appearing in Genesis chapter 1. It's good, it's good, it's good. Then he creates man. You know what he says that time? Very good, very good. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It's very, very good. Then you get to chapter 2 and for the first time you run into a not good. And this not good doesn't have anything to do with Adam and Eve in the garden sitting or anything like that. The first not good is this. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. Alone is not good. We were not made by God to go it alone. And here's what really blows the mind. If you actually start thinking about this, studying on this, this is the bombshell. God calls man alone even though man is already connected with God. We're already doing life with God. And we have this good relationship with God. It hasn't been messed up by sin yet in any way. We are connected to God and it's not good enough. Hmm. Which means, right here in our hearts, there's this God-shaped hole that only God can fill. When we try to fill it with anything else, it doesn't satisfy. And right next to it, there's this human-shaped hole that nothing else can fill. Because he's made us to do life with him, the God-shaped hole, and he's made us to do life with each other, connected in God-honoring relationships with each other. There's this human-shaped hole inside of us that no thing, no money, no achievement, no busyness, no books, no recreation, not even God himself will fill. Why? Because it's how he made us. That's how he made us. He made us to do life with him, and he made us to do life seriously with each other. And so if you want to be healthy, if you want to experience life the way that God meant it to be lived, if you want a serious, growing relationship with God, you've also got to be seriously connected with a few of the right people. And I'll explain what I mean by that. See, part of the problem is we try to fill this God-shaped hole in our hearts with the wrong gods, and they just don't work. Nothing else can fill that God-shaped hole in our heart. And we try to fill this human-shaped hole in our heart with the wrong people, and they don't satisfy. Instead of making us stronger, better, they corrupt us and degrade us. You see, it's not just about connecting with people. It's about connecting with people who are literally going to make us better. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Most of the time, and I know there are exceptions, but most of the time it is people who draw us to God and it is people who help us grow up in Christ. You buy that? Way back in seminary a long time ago, Dr. Thompson, Fred Thompson, president of our seminary, he also taught us theology. Brilliant man. He taught us about how the Holy Spirit works. And one of the things that he taught us, and I'd never thought about it before, he says probably the most powerful tool in the Holy Spirit's arsenal is people. God uses people to grow people. That's how he does it. I think he was right. When I think back on my own life, it was people, my parents, my friends, my teachers, they're the ones who led me to Christ. As I look back on my faith journey, it's been people, people that God has used to challenge me, encourage me, teach me. And I think it's exactly the same for you guys. If you've been doing life with God for a while, I suspect you can look back and you can see people who led you to Christ. People who had a powerful Influence on your growing in Christ. That's the way it should be. Maybe it started out with a parent. That's how it's supposed to work. A parent's number one job, I don't know if you're all going to agree with this, but I believe it with all my heart, a parent's number one job is to get their kids started with, right with God. You buy that? 
You do everything else well, you fail on that one, you're a failure as a parent. Parents' number one job is to connect their kids to God best they can. They're still going to have that choice, but that's our job. And then after that, people God brings into your life. Maybe it was a friend at school, a teacher at church, a professor in college, someone you worked with who connected you to God, maybe reconnected you with God. It's been people who have pushed you forward in your life with God. You see, with very, very, very few exceptions, we don't come to God without serious connections with other serious Jesus followers. I doubt that there's a single person in this room who could stand up and give their testimony and say something like this. I'd like to thank nobody. I discovered God on my own. I committed my life to God on my own. I've grown in Christ on my own. And I've had no one else's help. And if there is somebody who stood up and said something like that, we'd all probably consider them quite deluded, right? Instead, we'd tell stories of people. My parents kept bringing me to church even though I didn't like it. I started going out with this girl who dragged me to church. One of my friends invited me to this Bible study and it started me thinking. I was watching him, I was watching her and they were different and I kind of wanted what they had. I was at this low spot in my life and this person came alongside and they cared and they stood alongside me and it mattered. Guys, even if you're sitting in here and you're not a Christian yet, the fact is, maybe you're here because you're curious, maybe you're here because you lost a bet, maybe someone drug you here. You may be a little uncomfortable just being in church here in the first place. The fact that you're here probably means that there's a person that has been trying to nudge you towards God. Maybe you were curious. Someone made you curious. Maybe you lost a bet. That someone bet you. Maybe someone drug you here. That person cared. Truth is, there are people in this room who do anything, we like to say, anything short of sin to bring you face to face with Jesus. Not because they're mean, but because they care about you. And they believe that this thing works. It works. Now, guys, it kind of works the other way, too. I'll bet you that every one of you guys has somebody in your life that has tried to pull you away from God, right? You can probably see faces. Maybe it's been a family member. Maybe it's been a friend, someone you worked with, who tried to influence you to pull away from God in some fashion. Maybe they just love mocking God or mocking Christians or mocking the church. You've had those kind of people around you. Maybe they enticed you to take that first drink, that first pill that started you down a path that you're just not proud of. Maybe it's some guy or some girl that led you to that website or pulled you into a sexual relationship that you knew was God dishonoring. And as a result, you pulled away from God for a time. Maybe you think of somebody whose flirtations you should have resisted, whose text you never should have answered, whose business deal you should have turned down. Right? And here's what's especially awful. Sometimes the people who've done the most to pull us away from God have been Jesus followers. Hypocrisy. So many Christians, the meanness of so many Christians, the narrowness of so many Christians hurts other Christians, pushes people away from God. Maybe some of you guys. Bottom line, people shape our relationship with God. Sometimes for good, sometimes not. So let me ask you two questions. Question number one. How about those who are closest to you? How about those who have you allowed into be able to influence you? Are those closest to you pushing you towards God or are they pulling you away from him? Number two, 
How are you doing? There are people who are close to you. Are you nudging people around you towards God or are you pulling them away from him? Because you're doing one or the other. You know why? I'll show you. Now I'm going to have to move through this next part pretty fast because Vern is demanding a little more time. And he's mean. But I want to teach you four big ideas about this catalyst connect. Four things that you just got to know. This stuff is not hard to understand. It's pretty much common sense, but most of the time we don't have much common sense, right? Big idea number one. This is huge. There are no neutral relationships. There are no neutral relationships. Bottom line, guys, we are shaped by our relationships. And every single relationship we are in either nudges us towards God or pulls us away from him. Marty Pinkston used to say that everyone is either composing or decomposing, right? One of the two. That's how it works with relationships too. Every relationship that you are in either composes you as a Jesus follower or decomposes you as a Jesus follower because every single relationship we are in has a spiritual dimension to it. Husbands, are you nudging your wife and your kids towards God or are you pulling them away from God? Kids, school, are your friends building your trust in God or are they pulling you away from God? How about you? Are you nudging your friends towards God or are you pulling them away from God? At work, guys, you're either pointing people towards God or pulling them away because none of our relationships are spiritually neutral. They either build a connection with God or they erode it. Do you buy that? Proverbs 13.20, written by who was the guy considered the most brilliant man in the world at that time, King Solomon. He says, walk with the wise and you're going to become wise. So say with fools and you're going to get in trouble. I like the way the message puts it. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Ever seen it happen? Hmm. What Solomon is telling us is this. Every relationship has a spiritual dimension. Every, every relationship is either going to connect you to God or disconnect you from God. So hang out with people who are wise enough to connect you with God. You know why? Because fool rubs off. So be honest. Be honest. Who are you hanging with and how are they affecting your relationship with God? Now I'm not going to dare suggest that we don't have relationships with those who are not Jesus followers. God wants us to. But who have you given permission to get so close that they influence your life with God? Who have you allowed in? Guys, the Bible tells us to choose our friends carefully because there are no spiritually neutral relationships. Listen, your friends are going to dictate the direction and the quality of your life. You buy that? In fact, I got a text from John this morning. I don't know if he knew I was preaching, but this is what the text said. He was quoting me something. He said, show me your friends and I'm going to show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Big idea number two. God is going to send people into your life that's going to grow you as a Jesus follower. That's the way our God works. God brings people into our lives all of the time to challenge our nonsense and we've all got a boatload of it. Sometimes to help us through the tough times, God brings people into your life to bring you the encouragement that you need, or maybe to give you the example that you need at that moment, or maybe to bring some laughter in your life when you need to laugh. I'll bet you can look back at your life and think of a time when this guy maybe said exactly what you needed to hear, when some guy brought you lunch when you're out of money, 
some person sent you a note or a phone call because you were crushed by loneliness and God was tending you. God used people all of the time in the Bible and God still does that. He puts people in our path that are going to push us towards God. Now just a side note. God nudges you to do the same. God's going to nudge you if you're a Jesus follower. God is going to nudge you to lean into someone else's life in your world. He's going to try to use your nudge to encourage, to comfort, to challenge or whatever. When you feel that nudge from God, are you willing to be used by him? But here's the deal. This is something. Even though God is going to send people into your life, we still can choose to either be receptive to them or to push them away. God doesn't force himself on us. We choose to be receptive or to be resistant. God doesn't force himself. In fact, I'll bet every one of you guys can think of a person who came crashing into your life and they tried to pull you towards God and for whatever reason you kept pushing them away. And as you think back, you realize that maybe God was trying to get your attention and you kept pushing them away. God's going to send them. You don't have to listen. But please do. Here's big idea number three. This is huge. Listen, guys. God's going to send people into your life to try to grow you towards him. Satan is going to send people into your life to try to disconnect you from God. You buy that? He works that way too. God uses people to grow us as Jesus followers. Satan uses people to drag us down. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says this. He says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And it does. And you think about how it works. I mean, if Satan hates God, which he does, and if Satan hates whatever God loves, which he does, and that includes you, and if Satan wants to degrade or corrupt or pull away anything that God loves, which is you, doesn't it make sense that he's going to do whatever he can to use the people around you to pull you away from God? So is there someone who's dragging you down? Is there someone in your life who's dragging you away from God? Or here's the tougher question. This one is really tough. Is Satan using you to drag someone away from God? Because even we Jesus followers get caught up in that from time to time. If that's the case, we've got some repenting to do. Big idea number one, there are no spiritually neutral relationships. Big idea number two, God's going to bring people into your life to try to connect you with God. Big idea three, Satan is going to use people in your life to try to disconnect you from God. Here's the fourth, last one. We simply can't. We're not built this way. We cannot grow into fully mature, Christ-driven, 24-7 Jesus followers. We cannot experience the kind of life that God meant us to live, the, the rich satisfying life that God meant us to live without serious relationships with other Jesus followers who are trying to connect us to God. We can't stay strong alone. We are not smart enough. We're not good enough. We're not strong enough to do it alone. God works in community. He intends for us to drag each other to heaven. We've said this here for years here at Capital City. If not Capital City Christian Church, find some other Christ-centered, purpose-driven church and make it your home because God did not make us to go it alone. You need it. So I'm going to wrap up my part this morning with two questions. Question number one. If you admit, if you know that God is going to use people to grow you towards God, are you receptive? 
Are you putting yourself in a place? Are you putting yourself in places where God-honoring people can nudge you towards God? Are you seriously trying to connect with people who can grow you as a Jesus follower? Because here's reality. This is a shame. Some Jesus followers have no close Christian friends. You got to fix that. Some Jesus followers are content to come to church week after week and sit in rows but never get into a circle. And so they close themselves off from the people who can really influence them. Come on. Be receptive to the people that God wants to move into your path. Will you go out of your way to put yourself in places where you can seriously connect with other Jesus followers? Question number two, flip side. Are you willing to be used by God to nudge someone else towards him? Don't answer quickly. This one's hard. God is going to try to use you. Are you willing to be available to God so you can work for him to draw someone else to him? He's going to try to use you. Remember, there are no spiritually neutral relationships. You're either growing people up or you're dragging them down. Are you willing to be used by God? Guys, I wanted you to hear Vern's story this morning. We asked Vern to be our connections pastor because he's been pastoring for over 30 years. He knows the danger of being disconnected. He also knows the power of connection. Because the stuff I've been talking about this morning, guys, it touches pastors too. Here's some stats that might surprise you. Did you know that 80% of Bible college seminary graduates who enter the ministry will leave the ministry within five years? Did you know that only one in 10 pastors will actually retire as a pastor? And did you know that 70% of the pastors out there will tell you that they have no close friends? Do you think those stats are connected? Because a lot of pastors think it's not safe to let people get close. Well, guys, Vern's an old warrior. I'm not emphasizing the old part, just the warrior part. <laughs> He's been there and he's felt that. He's felt the danger of disconnection and he's felt the power of connection. And I think we're lucky to have him. Vern's going to tell you a little bit more about connecting here at Capital City. After Gail and I sold our home and moved to Frankfurt, we attended quite a few churches here in town and, and some out of different areas of the community as well. And some were welcoming and, well, to be honest about it, some not so welcoming. And then we decided we would try uh, come by Cap City. Well, it was just like a breath of fresh air to both of us. Well, I want to let you know some of you may be even asking, well, what prompted you to even stay on? Well, I kind of let that cat out of the bag. One thing is just because the way you greet people. And I want to encourage you to be more of, of a greeter in, in your own life here. Help people to feel accepted. Even if you don't know them, go shake their hand and introduce yourself. The second thing that drew us here was what we found on the stone outside the building. How many times have you walked past this and never read it? A place full of grace and truth. You see, it was the commitment to that model that I saw here. It isn't just etched in stone. It's etched in the church body, full of grace and truth. 
Gail and I was also asked to uh, join a life group, and we did. Our life group members grew close to one another very quickly. We began to do life together by sharing our joys and our hurts and our struggles. I found the deep healing going on in my life because, folk, I could be open. I could express my hurts without fear of reprisal, fear of rejection, or finding fault. That's grace and truth in action. You see, I had forgotten how powerful and how important it is to be connected with other Jesus followers and do life together. Now, some of you may relate to my story and some of you may not. But I do know this, whether you relate or whether you don't, I know from the bottom of my heart that you'll be a healthier Christian by connecting with other Jesus followers. Folks, the staff and the leadership of Cap City are committed to providing avenues to help you get connected with other Jesus followers and to help you grow deeply in your faith. One of those areas is life groups where I'm in charge. I'm very passionate about this because there is such a great connection, a great power that comes with that connection. And if you're looking for a place that you can plug into community and deepen your roots, life groups, man, is the place to be. They meet in various homes. Some of them meet here at the church building. And we're rebooting this program uh, this fall. Beginning on August 19th, we're going to have sign-up tables outside so you can sign up for what night you want and all that kind of thing. A second avenue that's provided for you to help you grow is Wednesday growth groups. This gives you an opportunity to dig deeper into the Word and dig deeper and build your faith. Growth groups will begin on Wednesday, September 5th. There'll be a meal at 5.30 and the class begins at 6.30. You know what? Cap City can provide the avenues for you and for me to get connected and rooted deep in our faith. But it's left up to each one of us to take advantage of these avenues that's offered. So let me leave you with this question. What's holding you back? What's holding you back from getting connected? Are you going to be like me and let fear hold you back? Because you know what? Fear will tell you that you're not good enough. Fear will tell you you're not worthy. Fear will convince you you, can't hand, you can handle life on your own. Fear will even tell you that no one cares. No one wants to hear your story. No one wants to hear your struggle. I'm here to tell you fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Don't listen to him. Get connected and experience God's grace and God's truth.